This podcast is not here for those people that are trying to stay out of last place. Because those consequences don't exist for the people that are listening to this podcast. These are the people that always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump. Or the ones who just want to dominate year after year just to show everybody else they're the champions. Guys, this is a fantasy football intervention. And we're about to intervene with your fantasy football life. Analytics are a thing. Analytics are real. And it's really tough to argue up against analytics because of the fact of the track record of analytics. I mean, you saw it with Moneyball in baseball, and now it's coming over to football. And analytics is pretty much breaking down the statistics along with figures and figuring out the best possible way to build a team. Which players fit in the best possible situations, which coaches fit in the best possible situations, and of course the GM. And it's, and it's shown that it works. I mean, look what the Seahawks did. They got a rookie quarterback under contract, and then they just threw pieces all around him, including on the defense, to make sure that the quarterback had support and that he was giving positions where he can win. And it worked. The Seahawks ended up going to the Super Bowl with Russell Wilson. You look at what happened with the Rams. Get a young, offensive-minded head coach, a brilliant guy with Sean McVay. You put an offensive line in front of the quarterback. You get a good running back for him. You get solid wide receivers. And then you get a defense. Boom. The Rams end up going to the Super Bowl. They didn't win, but they still went. Look what the Chiefs are doing right now. I mean, it works every single time that you follow this plan. You have to have an offensive line. You have to have at least one good wide receiver. You have to have a solid running back. He doesn't have to be an all-star, but he has to be a solid running back. And you have to have a really good defense to make sure that the quarterback is in winnable positions time and time again to help out that rookie quarterback's confidence. And it works. John Gruden, I think he's on the way to do it. And I think that his plan is getting a little bit fucked up because Derek Carr has been playing out of his mind. But guess what? If Derek Carr sucked again this year, they would have ended up with multiple early draft picks. They probably would have ended up going after a quarterback after they got a solid defense and they focused on defense this past year. They went out, they acquired Tyrell Williams, who's a solid overall wide receiver. They got a great tight end, an outlet possibility for him, and they got him a solid running back. I mean, everything was on track for this to work. And then Derek Carr had to go and play well. But, I mean, it is what it is. And that's why it should be working for the Browns. And it's not. It's not working for the Browns right now. Because you had Sashi Brown there. And Sashi Brown was doing everything right. He was acquiring the right pieces. And he was putting together a solid, solid puzzle. But he only got two years. And you cannot, you cannot just throw something at the wall and just hope that it sticks. After two years, you have to stick to your plan. When they went out and they got Dorsey, Dorsey fucked it all up. By trading away their guard, it fucked him up. By going and grabbing Odell Beckham Jr., it fucked him up. And not refilling their defensive needs, they fucked up. And I'm only bringing this up. Only bringing this up because of DFS. 
And that's what episode we're doing today. So welcome on in to Fantasy Intervention. We're going to talk about some DFS plays for tonight's game with the Los Angeles Chargers and the Oakland Raiders. But before I do, you guys have to trust the system. You guys can't just throw 30 bucks at the wall and then just hope that you're going to win thousands or millions of dollars. You have to keep playing. You have to trust the analytics and you have to play multiple different lineups. You can't play three lineups and be like, oh, that's enough. I won. I'm playing literally 20 to 30 lineups almost every single week when it comes to individual games. I'm playing 20 on Thursday. I'm playing 20 on Monday. And on Saturdays, I'm playing probably close to 30 lineups. And I'm winning money for it. But you have to trust the analytics. You have to trust that when I tell you that Zay Jones has a possibility, it's a low percent chance. It's not very high. He's not getting very many targets. He only had four last week, but he's running the routes. He's out on the field. And I'm going to give a little bit of a spoiler for later in the episode, but Zay Jones and his burst score could end up burning Mike Davis on one of the routes. And that's all that it takes. It's all that it takes. You could also play a stack in hopes that Burrow at his low, low price could score along with Darren Waller and play two tight ends. But those are the chances that you have to consistently take in order to get your big payout. In order to get your winning team, you have to suck multiple different weeks because if you play the same lineup that everybody else plays, you're going to win 8 bucks. You're going to win 15 bucks. You're going to win 30 bucks. But you're never going to hit that jackpot in tournament lineups. So if you're one of those people that plays the same lineup, like you're going to play tonight, uh, Philip Rivers, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Melvin Gordon, and Josh Jacobs, that's a cash lineup. Yeah, that could be the best scoring one. I don't even think you can actually get all those players into your lineup, to be honest with you. But if you're going to play those lineups where it's going to be high ownership on each one of those players, you're not going to win. The big winner on Monday night had two kickers in it. Two kickers. And you had Amari Cooper, you had Ezekiel Elliott, you had Dak Prescott, you had Michael Gallup, you had Saquon Barkley. I mean, you were playing all those guys, right? Like, you were definitely playing Saquon. Guess what? Saquon shit the bed. So that already just knocked out like 60% of the ownership. That knocked out 60% of people. You have to play lineups that don't involve these players in hopes that it will knock out most of the tournament. Most of the time they're going to go off. That's why they're high ownership. But those ones where you did not play Saquon Barkley and you use that money in other places, you probably ended up winning a couple thousand dollars. So that's what I'm telling you guys. When I go through my stuff and I talk about who you definitely want to play, that's just a base for one of your lineups. So for example, if I'm playing like Phillip Rivers, Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams, then I have to balance that out. I have to think it can go one of two ways. It's either going to be a shootout or Oakland is going to get up big off of running the ball and the Chargers turn it over a ton. They turn it over two or three times early in the game. So Oakland's running, wasting clock, and then Phillip Rivers has to come back and throw it to Keenan Allen, throw it to Mike Williams, and then the Oakland Raiders are going to be playing it safe, so I might play a kicker in there. I don't know if the money would work out for this, but I'm just giving you guys an example of how you have to match up your lineups. That's one scenario. Another scenario could be the Chargers go out there and completely just stomp the Oakland Raiders right off the bat, so the Oakland Raiders have to play catch-up. So you're going to be playing Melvin Gordon, Derek Carr, Tyrell Williams, Darren Waller, 
and then potentially as a shot in the dark because you want to take those shots that nobody else is going to take, you play Jalen Richard. So if I give you guys ideas, I give you guys concepts, it's not always going to come to fruition the way that I'm talking about it. Like I'm not trying to play just the best players on the board. I have scenarios. I have situations. I'm going to talk about it again, you know, upcoming here in the episode, but just to revisit the Zay Jones comment, I'm going to be playing Josh Jacobs in the bonus slot in most of those cases and hope that the Chargers just put all the pressure on stopping the run because the Chargers are so bad about stopping the run and they know that Josh Jacobs is going to get the ball a ton of times. So Derek Carr, play action fake to Josh Jacobs and then hits Zay Jones who has burst in one-on-one coverage for a touchdown. And it's not that far-fetched. It's not that hard to see. Is it likely to happen? No. There's probably 10% chance that that does happen. Maybe even less. But it can happen. So, with that being said, guys, I'm going to go ahead and jump into this episode. Once again, welcome on into Fantasy Intervention. We're going to start this episode out talking about Philip Rivers. And Phillip Rivers has been absolutely insane so far this season. I don't know how the Chargers are 4-5. I just don't know. He leads the league in yards, and he just takes shot after shot after shot. I mean, he has the sixth most deep targets per game. He takes five deep shots a game. This could be the recipe for Mike Williams, but let me go ahead and finish up with Phillip Rivers first. Because don't forget, Phillip Rivers is number four in the NFL in interceptable passes. He's number eight in the NFL in dangerous plays to where he could risk turning the ball over. So they are passing a ton, but keep in mind, Phillip Rivers could turn it over, which would mean short fields for Derek Carr, for Josh Jacobs, for Tyrell Williams, for Darren Waller, for Foster Moreau. That's opportunity. But we're still talking about Phillip Rivers. So when we look over to the Raiders side of things on defense, They've only allowed three quarterbacks to put up less than 26 points. And that was Joe Flacco, Kirk Cousins, and Chase Daniel. Everybody else has absolutely gone off. And I think Phil Rivers likes to play the Oakland Raiders because he has multiple touchdowns in three out of the past four games versus the Raiders. And obviously this is a little bit different team because they did invest a little bit in the defense. But last year he had 339 yards with two touchdowns. The other week, he had 223 yards with two touchdowns and an interception. He had a little bit of a rough game one week where they just didn't have to pass. So he had 268 yards and a touchdown. But then he had the last week of 2017, he had 387 yards and three touchdowns. Now, like I said, this is a John Gruden team. It's completely different. But you know it's a division rivalry, and you know that Phillip Rivers just loves to go off against these guys. Last but not least, they are also the worst team in the NFL up against quarterbacks so far. They're giving up the most amount of yards, and I don't even believe it's close. They are absolutely terrible in yards per game up against quarterbacks. So I expect Phillip Rivers to have a great game. He is one of my chalk talks. He is one of my go-to guys. I do have to play him in a couple bonuses just to make sure that he goes off. Now, when I was going back and I was doing some of the research for this matchup, I ended up watching some game film because I wanted to see exactly who was playing in the slot for the Oakland Raiders because I couldn't find any of their cornerbacks with a high snap percentage in the slot. And it turns out that they don't have that. They actually bring Joyner, LaMarcus Joyner, into the slot in nickel packages. And Eric and Eric Harris actually plays the safety position. 
And Joyner's actually been pretty solid. But before I go into these individual players, they play a lot of zone. They play a lot, a lot of zone. And typically the zone obviously gives a lot, a lot of opportunity to running backs out of the backfield and to the slot wide receiver. And Joyner, who's like Mighty Mouse out there, he's not terrible up against that situation, but he does give a lot of cushion to that slot wide receiver. So I expect Keenan Allen to have a get right game this week. He's been absolutely brutal. I know that for the past few weeks, but I think he comes back and has an excellent game. And I think they try and get him the ball. Keenan Allen actually plays pretty well up against the Oakland Raiders. So like I said, I'm expecting a big game out of him this week. He is another one of my chalk options, one of my go-to guys when I'm building up my rosters. And that's going to put us over next to Mike Williams. And Mike Williams actually has a pretty sick matchup this week. I mean, Oakland Raiders have been getting burned left and right by wide receivers. Mike Williams should see Worley. And Worley's not fast at all. He runs a 4'6", 440. He's 6'1", 204 pounds. Mike Williams is 6'4", 218 pounds and runs a 4'5", 440. That's a tenth of a second faster. That's huge when you talk about deep playability and deep play potential. Phillip Rivers has to take those shots this week. I think that he will. And if you look at who Worley struggled up against, he struggled up against Sutton, Thielen, Kumro, and Hopkins, and Galladay last week. Gave up a huge game to Galladay. All three of those wide receivers are 6'3 or bigger, except for Hopkins, which we just know. Hopkins is just a maniac anyways. I mean, he has the wingspan of like a guy that's like 6'7 or something insane. But... Worley struggles up against these bigger guys, these downfield threats. I could see a huge, huge game out of Mike Williams this week. So he's probably my, one of my favorite plays, especially at the price that he's at. I'm going to be playing Mike Williams everywhere. And that's going to bring us on to Patton. And Patton saw 58 snaps last week. I mean, that's the most amount that he's seen since getting signed by the team back a few weeks ago. And he should see Mullen who is 6'1". He runs a 4'4'6". He's a previous second-round pick. He covers typically the speed guys, so I could see him switching up to Mike Williams at some points, but still, Mike Williams, like I said, 6'4", massive dude. He should have no problem with Mullins if Mullins does go over to Mike Williams' side, but if Mike Williams sticks on Patton, I'm not a huge fan. I mean, he saw zero targets last week. He's only seen four targets this whole season. He's 6'2", he runs a 4.59, so that's not advantageous for him. I mean, I just don't see a lot happening. And if you want to take a flyer on him, be my guest. I mean, Phillip Rivers should be passing up against an extremely porous Oakland defense. But I don't know if Patton's going to get, I don't know if Patton's going to see those targets. I mean, he, like I said, he is worth a shot in a couple lineups. He's extremely cheap, but still don't play him in every single one. On to the tight end position. And the Raiders are terrible up against the tight end, and you see it with their zone coverage. I mean, you're just seeing tight ends run all around the field, left and right, wide open up against these middle linebackers that cannot stick with these tight ends. I mean, Hunter Henry, he's 6'5", 250 pounds, run 4'7", 240. I think he's going to have an insanely, insanely game. He's my other lock for the player that I want in most of my lineups. I'm going to be taking him, like, everywhere. They've allowed six total touchdowns. To the tight end position so far this year, I can see Hunter Henry adding to that. The thing is, is good tight ends just crush the Oakland Raiders. Darren Fells, Jimmy Graham, Eric Ebron, and Doyle both had touchdowns in that game. And then Kelsey crushed them as well. The best coverage linebacker they had was Perfect, and Perfect is gone. So, I expect the, I expect the linebacker position to continue to get abused 
this week in Oakland. On to my running backs, and Melvin Gordon here is a definite play for me. He's another chalk talk for me. He's one of my go-to guys when it comes to building my roster construction. I mean, up against the Oakland Raiders. Last year, ran for 93 yards, had five receptions for 72 yards and a touchdown. In the other game up against the Oakland Raiders, he had 58 yards and a touchdown on the ground and caught four balls for 62 yards in the air. 2017, 83 yards and a touchdown, nine receptions, 67 yards, and another touchdown. In the other game, he had 93 yards and six receptions on 31 yards receiving. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit tough because Oakland is so bad up against the pass that I don't know if the Chargers are going to be able to resist passing on them. I mean, they kind of become a pass funnel. God, there goes that pass funnel word. I didn't really want to use it, but it, it applies here. So I don't know how much work Melvin Gordon is going to get, but we know. We saw it happen last week with Anthony Lynn when he took over for the offense coordinator position. Obviously, he's the head coach, but he ended up calling plays last week. Melvin Gordon went absolutely nuts, absolutely insane. He could do the same thing this week, but if it gets to a point where it's a shootout, I don't know if Melvin Gordon's going to be involved. Obviously, Austin Eckler's snaps have completely tanked. His touches on the ground have completely tanked. I don't know if Austin Eckler's going to get some time. I'd rather play Melvin Gordon than Austin Eckler this week, but I think you have to have each one of those guys in different scenario lineups. And Justin Jackson is out this game, so don't try and sneak him in as a sneaky flyer this week. Oh, and one more thing. Virgil Green is their blocking tight end. Virgil Green, he doesn't see a lot of targets. I mean, he's only seen eight targets so far this year, and he ran 108 routes. But if you want to take a sneaky flyer on him, I don't hate it. It's just Oakland is so bad up against a tight end. So, I mean, I would probably play him in just one lineup just to see if you can hit big on it. All right, and on to the Oakland Raiders side of things. They've had five straight games of over 24 points. So they have been scoring. Derek Carr has been the new hot thing. But I don't know if that's going to continue this week. I mean, the Chargers are actually six up against quarterbacks, and they've played some pretty good ones. They played Jacoby Brissett. They played Matt Stafford. They played Aaron Rodgers. They played Tannenhill. They played Deshaun Watson. There was only one player that actually went off up against them. And that was Deshaun Watson. And he used his legs on most of the game. So, Tannenhill, he did all right. I'm not saying that Derek Carr is not an option. It's not like the Chargers are intercepting a bunch of balls and forcing turnovers and getting a ton of sacks because they're not doing any of that. They're actually just middle of the road when it comes to turnovers and whatnot. But when it comes to opportunity for Derek Carr to pass, it could be there if the Chargers go up. And I think that could happen. And I mean, Derek Carr, he's getting the fourth best protection rate in the NFL right now. His red zone completion percentage is insane. It's at 77.4%. He's not throwing picks all the time. He's not throwing dangerous passes. He's not throwing interceptable passes. He's actually being a good, solid quarterback. So there could be opportunity for him later in the game if the Chargers go up. But if it remains a close game, you know that they're going to be using Josh Jacobs left and right. So Derek Carr, for me, he's going to end up in a few of my lineups, but not a ton of them. He's going to be ending up in the ones where I have Melvin Gordon a ton in, and I have Hunter Henry a ton in, and I'll probably end up playing Phillip Rivers as well. Maybe even Keenan Allen if I can sneak him in there with the prices. But Derek Carr, for me, is not a definite lock for production. The thing that I like the least about his 
situation is the fact that all of the wide receivers match up pretty poorly up against the cornerbacks. Like there's no wide receiver that stands out and you could say, oh, he's going to beat him with this or, oh, he's going to beat him with that. Because although like Tyrell, although like Tyrell Williams is facing Casey Hayward, who has been playing out of his mind, he does have the speed over Casey Hayward. But are they just going to put a safety over top because they know that they're going to end up targeting that deep ball off play action? Zay Jones has that burst like we talked about. He has that acceleration off the line. Are they just going to end up giving him a cushion so he can't beat Mike Davis deep? Which, keep in mind, Mike Davis has been playing out of his mind as well. And Hunter Renfrew doesn't have any statistic that he's significantly better at. I mean, he's the same height as King is, and he's playing in the slot. And I know that he got the targets last week, and I know that he got the touchdown last week. But is that going to continue? I don't see it happening this week up against King. There are six guys that have put up big games up against the Chargers. None in the past two weeks. This has all happened in the first, I believe, seven weeks of the season. But T.Y. Hilton, Kenny Galladay, Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, Cortland Sutton, and Corey Davis all had double-digit fantasy points up against these guys. They all had pretty solid overall games. So, I went into it. Four of the six guys are 6'2 or bigger. The other two guys are extreme burners. They are all downfield targets with significant targets beyond 20 yards. They all also had over 10 yards per reception. I think it was actually closer to over 12 yards per reception. So that gets me interested in, like I said, Tyrell Williams or Zay Jones. I'm sure Runfrew can end up getting a few different opportunities, but I don't think it's going to pay off. I think that you have to take shots on Zay Jones and Tyrell Williams for the reasons that I just talked about. Just get me one or two big bombs and that player could end up going off and having an insane day. On to the tight end position. And looking at stacking Derek Carr and Darren Waller isn't a terrible idea. But it's tough because the Chargers are 15th up against the tight end. But they've only allowed one game of double-digit fantasy points to the tight end. The second highest is like seven points. I mean, there are weeks where they didn't allow any points to the tight end whatsoever. But up against the Houston Texans, both Darren Fells and Jordan Aikens absolutely ate. They had a total of three touchdowns in one game. I mean, all the other games, though, I mean, they played Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle one week. They played Hawkinson. They played Gusecki. They played Noah Fant. They played Vance McDonald. I mean, Johnny Smith did had an all right week. I mean, he put up three receptions for 64 yards. So that's not bad, but that's not what you want in daily. And then they played Trey Burton and Jimmy Graham. I mean, that's not promising. That's not tight ends that, that put any kind of fear in your mind when you think about a good tight end. When you think about Darren Waller. And Darren Waller could absolutely have an insane monster game. And Foster Moreau can contribute as well. I mean, Foster Moreau has had three touchdowns in the past five weeks. He's worth a shot as a flyer in one of your lineups, maybe two of your lineups. But Darren Waller, I think he's safe to play He's not necessarily a chalk option for me, but he will be in a lot of my lineups, especially in lineups where I'm playing Derek Carr as well. And even some where I'm going super heavy in on the Chargers. Like I could do all Chargers players and then play Darren Waller as the contrarian play. So I think that Darren Waller, although it doesn't look like it on paper, I think that he could be safe as a play. And on to my favorite part, 
This is the one that I really want to talk about, the running back situation. We have Josh Jacobs, Jalen Richard, DeAndre Washington, and I'm going to get to that in one second. But before I do, guys, I just want to take a second and please ask you guys to leave us a review, hit subscribe. I'm doing all this work for free for you guys, and I'm not asking for a single thing. I'm doing it all for free, just for you guys, so you guys can win some money in DFS. So please just take two seconds, hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, hit like on the listen if you're listening to it on SoundCloud. God, I'd appreciate that, guys. I'd appreciate it so much. You have no idea. And thank you guys once again for continuing to support our show. We're growing. We're becoming bigger. Our floor is getting higher and higher. I love it. So I just wanted to say thank you to all you guys who continue to support. Make sure that if you guys end up getting a broken phone, drop in the toilet, crack a screen, anything like that, you can go up to the iPhone repair store right there off of Birdneck Road. You can get 10% off if you say that Fantasy Intervention sent you up there to get it fixed. Fantasy Intervention, you get 10% off. If you guys want to listen to us on any other sources, we're available on SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox. Yeah, get excited. If you want to follow us on Facebook, we're on Facebook.com slash Fantasy Intervention. Yes, thank you guys. Thank you, Fantasy Football Discussion, for keeping these questions coming. I love them, guys. We're going to keep answering them for you. So, Fantasy Football Discussion, ask us anything you want. So, you guys ready for this final piece of information? This Josh Jacobs gem. You are playing Josh Jacobs in almost every single one of your lineups tonight. Obviously, the Chargers have been absolutely, absolutely terrible up against the running back position so far this year. They are absolutely one of the worst. But not only that, not just that. He's actually beginning targeted, averaging out right around two to three targets per game over the past six games. He's getting red zone targets and red zone rushes as well. So he's getting tons and tons of work in the red zone, which is why they have such a high red zone conversion rate. I mean, it's been absolutely nuts. I know he had a little bit of a rough game up against Houston, but he's been producing almost every other week in the past few weeks. I mean, they're getting him involved. They're getting him the ball everywhere that they possibly can. It's been awesome. You're playing Josh Jacobs. Six out of eight running backs have had absolutely huge games. Huge games so far this season. They've had six out of eight running backs score over 13 points. And it was also in their top three performances for that running back so far this season. Gruden wants Josh Jacobs to score. He wants to get him the ball. He wants to run that rock. He wants to set up the play action fake, and that's how they're going to be doing it. You've got to play Josh Jacobs. He's going to be in almost every single one of my lineups, and especially in my cash lineups. So Josh Jacobs is definitely a play. Now, when it comes to Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington, DeAndre Washington, when they are in a losing situation where it is pass-friendly, DeAndre Washington does not see the field. Jalen Richard does. The past two weeks... Jalen Richard's snap count has gone up, and DeAndre, and DeAndre Washington's snap count has gone way, way down. So, I don't think that DeAndre Washington is necessarily a flyer. I'm probably not going to be playing him in any lineups. I might try and sneak him into one, but that's not a guy that I'm relying on. If they get into the red zone, Josh Jacobs is going back into that game. If it's third down, and they need four or five yards, it's going to be Jalen Richard in the game trying to get those passes. I don't see a situation where DeAndre Washington gets to see the field and score unless it's a complete blowout, which I don't think is going to happen this week up against the Los Angeles Chargers. So, I'm not playing DeAndre Washington. Now, I did forget we do have to do kickers because I did talk about the red zone conversion rate. And it's kind of crazy. The Los Angeles Chargers have not been good in the red zone. 
they're also not very good at stopping teams in the red zone. So on the other end of things and the other spectrum, we talked about how much they use Josh Jacobs in the red zone for the Oakland Raiders and how high Derek Carr's completion percentages in the red zone over 77%. They're converting in the red zone. So for me, I'm only starting Daniel Carlson in cash lineups. In tournament lineups, he's not worth it. He's never scored over seven points, but he's extremely consistent. He's had seven points six weeks in a row. What? Seven points six weeks in a row. He had one bad week of two points and four points, but he still put up six points in another week. So like I said, I think he's safe. But when we look over at Mike Bagley, he just returned from a groin injury that kept him out the entire year. They had him on the roster the entire year, so that you know that they love this guy. Last week, he went out there, ended up making four out of five field goals, finished up with 16 points. So yes, he is playable in a situation where the Chargers continue to struggle in the red zone. He should get plenty of opportunity this week up against the Oakland Raiders. And even if they do convert, he's still racking up extra points. So yeah, I'm playing him in tournaments. I'll play him in cash as well in a few different lineups. But yeah, you can play Mike Bagley this week. When it comes to the defenses, we talked about Philip Rivers and his continued obsession of throwing interceptable passes and dangerous plays so there could be opportunity there for Oakland and on the other side even though we don't see a lot of interceptions I mean we've only seen seven so far on the Chargers this year and we know that Derek Carr protects the ball it still might be worth the play if it gets into a shootout and Derek Carr has to force the ball downfield you could see some turnovers happening with that insane secondary for the Los Angeles Chargers and that's gonna wrap it up for us guys I appreciate y'all for listening once again, and thank you for letting me intervene with your fantasy football lives. Hey, my mom dope, my niggas is dope, switch up a stove, pick up a stove, they feeling away, they know I'm the goat. That's how you bang a podcast.